Happy Monday and welcome to Reading the Bible is Easy-ish. I'm Hogan Brock. He is Harrison Litzel. We are going to do what we do every week and read the Bible. But before we do, Harrison, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's February um, and it's just kind of uh, normal time. Actually, you know what? I just realized we just had this whole conversation. You and I are feeling good about having podcast episodes ready to go backlog a catalog yeah it's not february anymore it's february right now but we are talking to people in the future um and so i gotta start thinking about uh keeping my stuff a little more timeless so things are good now in february i'll let march speak for itself uh, in a couple weeks yeah who knows who knows we are uh yeah so we uh we are having uh again this is coming out i know you will have already heard one of these we are having more guests on and we're excited about that um I would be interested, though, for those of you who are listening on or watching on Facebook, YouTube, um, any of those sorts of things, uh, however you want to reach out, I would be interested to know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Do you like when we have guests on, hear different perspectives, um, people from different backgrounds, that sort of thing? Um, or is it your preference just to hear Harrison and I every week? I don't, I don't know what you would like. Uh, so if you're on social media, YouTube, you can comment. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast on any platform, you can email us at readingthebibleiseasyish at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. And while we're at it, go ahead and like and subscribe uh, wherever you have found us. Harrison, uh, let's just jump straight into the text. How about that? So our text this week is uh, from the Revised Common Lectionary, as it often is. Uh, we're going to be in Joel this week, Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 12 through 17. Um, when we were talking about this just a second ago, Harrison, I said, I don't know when the last time I read Joel is. Uh, and you said the last time you read it was when I assigned it to you in undergrad. So that's mm -hmm. been, how many years ago do you think that was? Like, I think, well, it was five, when you were in six? charge of, it was when you were in charge of basics. That would have been the year before we graduated. So 2016. So it was Either sophomore or junior year. Yeah. 2016 was six years ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back in Joel. Yep. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, I don't know a lot of background on Joel. So much like the apocryphal text that we did a couple of weeks ago, this is going to be a, a little bit of whirlwind. So Joel chapter two, starting in verse one. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the lands tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spreads upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their light has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. And then skip into verse 12. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will, whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, Sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even the infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the people? Where is their God? So Harrison, I don't know what to make of this. This was a little unexpected for me. I didn't remember Joel as a doom and gloom prophet, but that seems like uh, the text we've got this week. 
Yeah. So I remember Joel, uh, I remember just not having great feelings about parts of it. I remember uh, it having this kind of heavier tone to it. Um, a lot of these books here at the end of the Old Testament, these minor prophets, right? Minor prophets being about the length of the books and not necessarily their subject matter take place right before, right during, right after uh, the exile of the people of God, of the uh, Israelite people. Um, so I, I think this is talking about um, them being aware that the kingdom is about to fall. There are probably armies um, outside the gates of the city um, and them turning to God, the prophet at least telling the people that they should turn to God um, and ask for repentance before destruction comes. Um, and history tells us that uh, that didn't happen, that there was not a time of great repentance there at the end um, and that uh, the kingdom of both Israel and Judah, I believe this is about the kingdom of Judah, mm -hmm. does fall and the people are scattered um, to a variety of different places. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I was thinking about as I read this, um, I've been reading a lot of Jeremiah recently for a course. Um, and Jeremiah similarly is is part of a pre-exilic, right? Pre-exile. And it, it is this kind of tone as well, like turn or or bad things are coming. Um, and one of the things I've been thinking about is the different ways that this uh, text is used, uh, the different ways that we kind of use the messages in this text, uh, kind of applying to our own lives, um, our own context. And one of the ways that I've seen that happen, uh, and I think it's it's interesting more than more than what I'm. It's going to sound like your critique, and I mean it more as just an interesting thing that happens. Is this this gets applied to specifically to the United States? um, turn, uh, turn to God, um, you know, do all these things, come back and worship God, uh, become Christian. And that's what we need to do to save or to, um, correct, um, the United States. Uh, and that may be the case in Canada. I'm new here. I'll figure that out. If I, let, if I find out, I'll let you know. Um, I think that's really interesting though, because this is a nationalistic sort of thing, right? Like save us, but it's also save us from not some moral failure, perceived moral failure, but save us from Babylon or save us from, you know, the empire over there uh, that has the power to come in and overrule us. So I, I'm curious if you've heard similar applications um, and kind of what you make of it. Yeah, I've definitely heard some of those applications. I've, I've heard uh, this passage used um, and similar passages to it, just like what you were saying, this kind of corporate uh, collective repentance, right? And I think that people have a variety of um, disasters in mind when they think about what we're repenting from and, and what people think is coming for our destruction can tell you a lot about that person, right? Um, I, I actually... When COVID started all those, you know, two years ago, I actually led a Bible study where we kind of looked at the the prophets and said, what what can this teach us about this time that we're we're headed into? And not not that kind of application, but more so these questions of when some form of destruction, when something terrible happens, um, how do we relate that to God? You know, because some of the prophets see God as standing by the people as these uh, terrible things are happening, and some of the prophets see God's hand in it. Um, and these questions of how do we survive this and how does God survive this and asking those questions. And we kind of went through the different prophets uh, to look at that. And I think even in this passage, we saw different ways to relate to God um, mm -hmm. when there's disaster happening and how, what is God's role when there is destruction, when there is death, uh, how do we relate to God and how does God relate to us? Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I think that's, 
that seems to me to be the the um, most responsible way, uh, at least for me, to kind of relate to these sorts of texts, is to see where where is God in the midst of disaster or in the midst of suffering. Um, yeah, and I think there's there's some really beautiful images here that we get in that kind of last uh, last five verses of you know prayers to God, right? Like God, don't you remember us? Don't you want this? Um, and for me, as someone who's interested in uh, kind of the the hope and suffering um, part of ministry, that's such a helpful prayer for me to remember. Um, to say it's okay to say to God, like, don't you remember me? Um, don't you know who I am? Don't you care? Right? Those sorts of questions. So it's helpful for me to see that in the text. Um, yeah, I'm curious. What else do you see in the in this uh, this passage? I think a lot of times when I read, read these prophets, part of what I see is the language is just different from what we use. You know, it can just take a few minutes to kind of dig through yeah. when they're talking about uh, what it looks like in their world. Um, and I think sometimes that can be a barrier that it's, it's just hard to overcome. And I think, you know, that's part of why we have these conversations is because we can ask these questions of what exactly is going on here and spend a few minutes thinking about it and talking about it so we don't get lost in the imagery, uh, especially in these passages that are, you know, poetic in nature. Right. Um, there can be uh, a few layers until we kind of get to these questions where that we share with uh, the people in the in the story. And so that, that was part of it. I remember reading Joel before, and, and now it's not a direct instruction. It's not a narrative story. It's something that you have to kind of sit with for a few minutes. And some of it I leave behind because I still don't really know what it is, what it's talking about. And I pick up what I'm able to pick up in the moment. And uh, hopefully with more time, you know, I'm able to pick up more and more from a passage. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's one of the wonderful things to me about the Old Testament. One of the things that, that draws me to it. Um, and part of it is I've taken New Testament Greek a couple of times. Uh, and I feel like there's a little of the mystery taken out here, but, and you've taken Hebrew, so maybe you can speak to this, but there's, uh, even in non-poetic Hebrew, it seems to me that it's, is it a slightly more poetic language? Is that fair to say? I think so. Yeah. I think that that is, that is often the consensus. Um, I think part of it is just the, the sentence structure and the syntax of, of Hebrew. It's just a, it's very different from, um, most, uh, you know, modern Western languages that you might encounter. And so you're learning new words as well as syntax and all these different things, which is true um, in different ways with Greek as well. Um, but I, I do think that uh, the Hebrew language lends itself to a little bit more um, artistry in its use uh, mm -hmm. than Greek does with the way that Greek verbs, you know, function and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that that I'm, I'm interested in with Hebrew specifically is uh, because I, I do have a little bit of Greek in my back pocket and I don't have any Hebrew is going in between translations and seeing the different ways that different translators have rendered, uh, especially poetic language in the prophets, prophetic uh, books are very often written, not in narrative form, but in, in as you said, in poetry. Um, and I think that's just, it's helpful to kind of see a fuller picture. Um, so I think that's helpful here in sitting in the text. So we're going to wrap up here. Harrison, if you're going to spend uh, more time with this text this week, is there anything you'd uh, you'd sit with or look into a little deeper? I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna read the rest of this chapter. You know, we 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 jumped over the middle part a little bit, sure. um, and I appreciate that from the lectionary this week because it, it gave us a little bit of that look into uh, God's response a little bit and God's um, interaction with people. Um, and I'm glad that we had a little bit of that. And it it appears that there's more to come at the end of this chapter. And so I want to read this chapter a little bit more in full uh, and see how it kind of plays out. Yeah. Yeah. 
similarly, I, I, as we said at the top, I don't know when the last time I, I opened the book of Joel is. And so I'm, I'm just excited to, yeah, spend a little more time in the book. It's only four chapters long. Shouldn't take that long. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. As we said earlier, if you've made it this far, wherever you found us, please like and subscribe. So you'll find us in your uh, podcast feed every week. Uh, and if you have found, found this helpful, found it entertaining, I'd invite you to share it with someone you know uh, and spread the word. And until next week, keep trying to read the Bible.